Hey, this is Brett, and we are excited to let you know that today's show is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Channel, one of our favorite places to get your nature fix, where you can explore the real Rockies. From award-winning documentaries to music in the mountains, this is Adventure with a Conscience. We think you're going to love it. You can check it out and subscribe at RockyMountainChannel.com. And we're here to inspire you to step outside your door to connect with nature for mindfulness and for personal growth. Naturally. Naturally. Thanks for joining us for another Fireside Friday. John Muir said in his book, Our National Parks, thousands of tired, nerve-shaken, over-civilized people are beginning to find out that going to the mountains is going home, that wildness is a necessity. Fri, do you feel that's true for you? Oh my gosh, yes. I'm addicted to the mountains. Today we're talking about why we love the mountains. And I'm just going to tell you, this show is only going to go for mm, three or four hours because we got to eat. <laughs> no, we won't go that long. But we could talk forever about why and how much we love the mountains. Let's make it short, though, so we can go to the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> Get out and do a little mountain hiking. Like, like way up high. That's right. Wow. Well, ever since I can remember, uh, mountains have been a big part of my... I've had a big fascination for mountains and wanted to be in the mountains. Have you felt that way? Well, yes, especially since I grew up as a little girl in Texas. We didn't have mountains. So, I don't know, maybe when I was uh, six or seven, we went on our first camping trip for three weeks up in here in Colorado and up to Yellowstone. Yeah. And I tell you, they, le- they left such an incredible lasting impression on me that from then on, it was like, I'm going to move to the mountains someday. And you have. I, and I have, but I want more. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I grew up back in the east side of the country, and we had the Appalachian Trail, and the mountains back there are definitely mountains, but when I came out here, I said, no, these are mountains. Yes. Nothing against Appalachian Trail, like I said, or nothing against those Appalachian Mountains. It's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, I do miss, uh, and I love back there, I do miss the deciduous forests and the smell of leaves in the fall on the ground. It's just different when you're up in the Rockies versus the Appalachians. Yeah, and whether you're in the Rockies or the Appalachians or the Smokies or wherever you are, the Nevada just in, Sierra. in general, the mountains have the ability to just awaken your senses. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And we mentioned going to the mountains is going home. I do feel the most alive and the most like me. Me Now There are a lot of people who may feel like it's the ocean or the prairies or the desert. I know some people who are just Mm -hmm. so in love with the starkness of the desert. And all those places are very special. And I could spend a long time in each place. But, you know, you have to have your favorite, or at least I do. And this is our show, so we're going to (laughs) say... That's right. The mountains. Next episode, maybe we'll talk about why we love the ocean. I think in any of those settings... The beauty and the grandeur, all of it just awakens your senses because, yeah. I mean, even when, when we went to Moab, remember how we were just like, oh, 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 when you're seeing just that kind of oh, just amazing, majestic landforms and 
yeah. natural formations. I don't know. It it just it really does awaken your senses. It, yes, it's and the, the smells are always different. Oh, pure fresh air. You know, when I lead Jeep tours, uh, people say it smells so good up here, and I I never mm-hmm. take the mountains for granted. But for some reason, I take the the clean air for granted. There's something about the way that the pine leaves filter pine leaves <laughs> pine needles filter yeah. the air or something i don't know all i know is it is true it and just then, smells so and good and the best in the summertime is that smell of just campfire oh yeah that's when i'm like all right yeah i'm, I'm not leaving well the cool dry breezes the winding rivers and babbling brooks and that whisper whisper of wind through the aspen and the pines exactly everything mm, comes alive yeah it's that's incredible right. by the way i would was comparing the Appalachians with the Smokies, or the Smokies, the Appalachians with the Rockies, which probably isn't fair because anybody who's climbed the Andes or the Himalayas, I say, yeah, those aren't, these aren't mountains. Sure. Those are mountains. So it has nothing to do with the height. It has to do with what it does to your senses. Right. Yeah. What else do you like about the mountains? Well, everything in the mountains is just, it's so simple. Like when you go into the mountains, you're either hiking usually or camping or picnicking. You're mm. just getting back to very basic, simple activities. Yeah. I like to think of the mountains as Walden West, you know, um, like you were mentioning, hiking, fishing, cooking over a campfire and wildlife viewing. All of life becomes new again when you're in the mountains. It kind of makes you feel like, like how it was probably when people first came out to the West, you know, Mm, everything was really simple. Um, no technology. <laughs> yeah, simple unless you were dodging mountain okay, lions, well. grizzly bears, Native Americans <laughs> who were you were chasing you because you're trampling on their land. Okay, back to the 1883 <laughs> show we've been watching. Yeah. But okay, well, what I mean though is you're just, everything is slowed down and what really matters is really evident to you. Yeah, you know, I love the fact that when we are high in the mountains and or in nature camping anywhere, that the, all the cares and the worries of the world just tend to melt away and, and nothing else matters other than just being right in that moment. Right. And I was, that's what I was going to say. When you're, when you're there, you are in the moment. In Every, the moment. You are, oh, it just doesn't get better than that. No, it doesn't. You know, I was going to mention that you and I have this disorder. We love the mountains and that's not the disorder. The disorder is the feeling we get when we have to leave the mountains. I know. Heading back down into the valley. I remember before we before I lived in Colorado and would visit, or even even back in the Appalachians, it was oh, everything. The energy was just, just so, changes. Yes. You, yeah. Remember when we came back last year and we were driving through, um, well, through Idaho Springs, and then you kind of come down on I seventy and you see Denver. You yes. know, You see the at least the western edges of Denver. Right. And it's like you just see buildings and cars and people, and you're just like, no. All the distractions <laughs> of the world and the heavy weight oh, seems to come back down. Yes. So when we're in the mountains, the, the thing I try to do is capture it in my spirit and mm-hmm. bring it home with me wherever I, I am. That's what you have to do. Yeah. And we're, you can compare mountains, like you can live in the mountains, but then go on vacation, uh, like a ski vacation or a, mm-hmm. a camping trip, like we mentioned. And that that's the kind of experience you want to bring home with you afterwards. It isn't that you're not living in the now by having that experience. It now has become a part of you, a part of who you are. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. So that disorder we have of, of feeling like when we're returning to everyday life, it's gotten better for me uh, by doing exactly what I just said, carrying nature, carrying the, the wilds inside my heart and inside my meditations, because then it's always there. I still can't wait to get there in the physical. <laughs> but, yeah, and uh, I, I have so much gratitude for the state we live in. We oh, truly... Oh, my goodness. I mean... 
I f- <laughs> not to make you feel bad if you don't live in Colorado, but oh, there are but, other great places. I mean, there are lots of great places, but I I never take it for granted. No, you know when when I see just you know a mountaintop that I haven't seen in a long time, or or you know a peak, or yeah. The snow, especially this time of year, it's just so white. I see a rushing river in the springtime. It's it it always I always get just thrown off, almost like it makes me catch my breath. The beauty, gasp! gasp I never take it for granted. It's it's amazing. And so when I'm sorry, no, go ahead. I'm just I was just gonna say that makes that makes you when you're that grateful and you you just remember, you know, like things can be really stressful. You're you're in your daily life. You're with all the people and your job and cars and traffic and but you're just like, oh, we're so lucky. We can just go to all these amazing places in Colorado. Yeah. Anytime we want. Yeah, that's right. And I was mentioning this time of year, there's something about the contrast of the white, white snow against the deep azure blue sky. Oh, they, I know. Their sheer size and magnificence makes the mountains have, give us a sense of wonder and awe that you just don't find in the valleys and plains below. But as we mentioned, every ecosystem and handiwork of nature has its beauty and purpose. But there's something about the peaks and slopes and spires that I think it's because they make us feel small and significant at the same time. True, true. You know, another reason why I love the mountains is I feel like they're a great place to go when you have a, a big decision to make, don't you think? Oh, like, absolutely. It kind of makes you feel like you're, you know, you're physically kind of above it all. <laughs> yeah. And then yes. it also kind of, that kind of parallels with your perspective. Wow. You know, you have a, a much greater perspective. You have that 30,000, well, maybe not 30,000, maybe the 10,000 foot view, Yeah. but it just kind of makes everything take perspective. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, it just kind of makes it all seem not that hard to figure out, you know, Mm. like, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. I've got, I've got a little bit better view. I can, I can handle this. Not that big a deal. Yeah, I don't know what it is about that. Yeah. Do you feel the same way? I do. You know, if you want to solve a problem or think something through, they say to go for a walk True. and mountains are just like that times 100, 10xing or 100xing the the walk factor because you can think clearly. That's just what I was going to say. It's like it clears all the cobwebs away Mm. and all of a sudden, you know, the fog lifts, the veil's removed and you're like, oh, crystal clear thoughts can can really come into your mind. You're closer to the sun and stars and all of heaven when you stand on a mountaintop. I do feel closest to God when I'm on a mountaintop. It's true. That's my church. (laughs) (laughs) That's my church too. What about the wildlife? You like the wildlife? I know you love oh, grizzly bears. I'm always looking for bears. Thank goodness we don't have grizzlies here, though. <laughs> now, they do scare me, This folks, is the one reason we don't I, live in Montana. No, we will never live in Montana. <laughs> or I, Idaho. I am fascinated with bears, and I have seen a few in the wild, and I just, I love that. Mm-hmm. And oh, I want to yeah. see him. I want to see him. Well, no, I have. We have seen a mountain lion. I was going to say I want to see a mountain lion, but we have. Yeah, yeah. Oh, remember it? Um, Soderbergh. <laughs> yeah, on horseback. Yeah, that was The, the that mountain was lion wasn't on horseback. That was us. <laughs> That would have been this really is one good. talented mountain <laughs> But the line, horses folks. knew he was there, didn't they? It was <laughs> oh, getting dark. Yes, they did. And they knew. It was well, scary, actually, you've seen him a couple of times. Yeah, I have. But anyway, it's, yeah, the, there's elk and moose. Moose are incredible, too. And I and I even love the cute little chipmunks. Aren't and the ground precious? squirrels. And the yes, ground squirrels and yes. the pikas. And marmots. And, yeah, the, when you're out in the mountains and you're surrounded by nature, you become aware once again of the fact that we're not alone. Makes you feel like you're part of something bigger. Yeah. But you're all connected at the same time. And that circle of life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to break out in song, folks. It's not only entertaining to observe and interact with the plants and animals that live in the mountains, but it can actually be educational as well. You can learn a lot from watching these critters and spending time with them. Just sitting quietly by a stream, 
watching the water oozles and other birds finding food and playing in the water, or standing in a meadow or woods observing a mother deer interact with her young, teaches us so much about life in the human world. You mentioned elk and moose and deer and bears and mountain lions, True. beavers, badgers, bobcats. Now you talked <laughs> about the water oozles, though. Tell people why oh they're so goodness. cool That's, that is my. There's, I have two favorite mountain birds. One is the Stellar's Jay, just because of its color and its elusiveness. Is that and, what fed? No, no. No, that was, the, you that landed on your hand? Yes. No, that yeah, was that the... was a um, scrub jay. Oh, okay. Did I say that right? No, a gray jay. Gray jay. It was scrub a gray jays jay. don't live up there. And uh, they are friendly, though. Clark's nutcrackers and, and those. But the water oozel is a unique bird because it's just, it's the only North American songbird, a little smaller than a robin, very unremarkable in color or, or looks. It's the only North American songbird that actually gets its food underwater and, and dives into the water. And swims underwater, and kind swims, of, right? Well, it stands on I the mean, bottom. Yeah, it does. It, it uses its wings and flaps along and actually will eat the larvae and nymph and flies that are under the, uh, you know, what the fish eat, basically. Yeah, they're so cool to watch. They have three eyelids so that they can see better. They have extra oil on their feathers. And their flight pattern, rather than uh, back and forth across the creek or stream like most other songbirds, like all the other songbirds, their flight pattern is up and down the river, um, back and forth, up and up and down, meaning following the river. Mm-hmm. And they'll land on a rock, and they'll stand there, and then they'll bob up and down. And that it's that motion that catches your eye. You'll see it out of the corner of your eye. And so go. fun. And it, they don't know a hundred percent why they do this unique characteristic bob, but mm-hmm. it, I love it, and yeah. that's just part of the water oozel. O u z e l. So if you're lucky enough to see one of those. Also <laughs> those called the fun. American Dipper. I mean, look them up. Yeah, They're really yeah, cool. Yeah. Or you can YouTube them. Really cool, cool little birds. Yeah. You, you watch them disappear under the water and like a duck. Yeah. And uh, you might not even see where they come up again. But yeah. Well, how do we get off on those? Those are cool. <laughs> well, wildlife is just so cool. It's just, again, it's the wildlife that gives us a tangible reminder that we're not alone. We're not an island or living in a bubble that everything affects every other living thing and that we need to strive to cherish and, and preserve and protect our planet. So that's another reason. Of course, you don't have to just be in the mountains to enjoy that, but I, l- I love the mountain animals in mm-hmm. general. What about uh, the peace you find in the mountain? That's why I don't want to ever come back to civilization. <laughs> <laughs> I love the remoteness. Like when I'm talking when you go pretty far away and you're not running into people. Yes. Yeah. You know, and you just can, there is no noise. It's just peaceful. You just feel like you can breathe. Dispersed camping. I, oh. all, you know, there is a, I don't know if I'd call it <laughs> a downside, but there, there is another side to it. We've been camping before where you were kind of Okay, that's different. <laughs> like, that's at night. <laughs> and that, when there's no people around, you kind of trade your security for... Okay, that is a little freaky. Yeah, but it's beautiful. I want to be with people at night in a campground, but in the day, I'm, I want to be really far away from everybody. <laughs> yeah. I had a buddy that uh, went camping up in Hermit Park uh, years ago, and um, he just went by himself. I don't know if I mentioned this on a podcast in the past, but he it was years ago, and he um, fell asleep in his tent out in the middle of this beautiful meadow, and about midnight, he woke up to some strange sounds all around his tent, and he kind of got concerned and wondered, what what in the world is this? So he decided to unzip his his tent just very slowly quietly and turn on his flashlight all of a sudden and at the moment he did there were a hundred eyes staring at him what? it was he was in the middle of a herd of elk 
And oh. it kind of freaked him out, but also made him glad that it wasn't like a bear or a mountain lion. I thought you were going to say or it was a, a psycho bear. killer. Or just a, yeah, <laughs> or, an yeah. escaped convict. No, but, but what a great experience. And that's part of the remote experience when you're in a campsite. Although you can run into bears in campsites too, mm-hmm. um, but you have a little more protection. But I love it. Yeah. It's again like that 1883. It's something we'll about a little back. bit of that when you're a little bit on edge. Mm, the danger. A little bit of that exhilaration. Yeah, the adrenaline yeah, gives you an appreciation for life, like, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it makes you feel alive. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, what's your scariest mountain memory? Scariest moment in the mountains? Do you have any? Mm, well, my scariest mountain memory. Coming, we've done some hikes where I thought I was going to get. Struck by lightning. (laughs) Yes. That that really actually scares me a lot. Yeah. And Um, that's for a good reason. When we were up at Gray's, doing the 14 or Gray's Mm -hmm. peak. Gray's and Tories, yeah. Gray's and Tories. And it got, it started lightning and we were really, really up high. And all of a sudden I thought, this could be it. (laughs) There's nowhere to hide. Yeah. Um, That's a scary feeling to me. Because as fast as you go to get down, there's still nowhere to go. I can remember... There's Three really from. scary ones like that. Um, one was on Quandry Peak, where my climbing partner, his hair stood straight up. The wind was blowing sideways, and oh his hair gosh. stood straight up before the wind actually started blowing. This little, um, it looked like styrofoam balls of snow, and you can tell lightning. And just on the other side of the mountain, we could hear thunder, and we were way up there. And then coming down um, from Lincoln, Democrat, and Bross, these are all 14ers, 14,000-foot mountains, you could just see people coming down the side of the mountain like ants. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> As well, so and and um, also just hiking in Rocky Mountain National Park had had that same experience. So you do have to be careful. You have to plan your mountain timing well, and you have to have big angels. But at least when you <laughs> when you saw those people coming down like ants, yeah. you go, okay, there's a chance it won't be me. It could be that guy over there. <laughs> or there's a chance, like happened in Rocky. <laughs> Several years ago now, um, where 18 people got struck by lightning all <gasps> at one true. overlook. Shit. Yeah, yep. yeah. So we're not. We didn't mean to paint just a pretty picture. Well, actually, I did. Well, and we yeah. just turned took turn left. Well, you asked me what my scariest thing was. Well, that was I know. scary to me. <laughs> at first, I was thinking of at night. You know, that night we went out and we camped way off yeah. the beaten path. I thought you were gonna. Say, yeah, that's true. And I started having. All visions these flashbacks of- and visions of <laughs> grizzly bear movies I've seen and, and stories I've read of mauling. So I'm like, yeah, mm, can't wait to go to sleep. Yeah, I thought you were going to say your scariest moment was that time I we went camping and I forgot to bring three bags of food that were sitting by the door. That Well, actually, that was the scariest <laughs> because, and you know, you have to fend food. for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, okay, so we, we've been honest about the mountains. Um, obviously, there's much more to be in love with than not if you're sitting in our seats right now. (laughs) I'm sure you have your stories too. But hopefully this is inspiring to you to not only get up into the mountains, but I don't care where you go, but to get out in nature and make some memories. Find what makes you alive, the places that make you feel the most like you. You know what they are. And if you don't, you got some homework to do. And that's a really good point because I think everybody has different places that are special to them that just... It's like all of a sudden you feel, you feel whole. You yeah. know how sometimes in your life you just kind of feel fragmented yes. or scattered or like part of you isn't really being expressed the way it should be yeah. or you're not really living as authentically as you should. Mm. Um, and then when you get in those areas, you just all of a sudden it's like all the puzzle pieces come together and you're like, ah, oh, I'm whole. 
That is the point of that today's episode. That is how episode. I feel in the Yes, mountains. exactly. Yes. So wherever that is, find where home is for you mm-hmm. and get out there. We have mm-hmm. some very dear friends, Rick and Etta Starr, who wrote a song called Home in the Sky. We got to um, record it with them a while back, and we'd just like to share that with you right now. It is the perfect musical expression of how we feel about the mountains. In fact, it was so beautiful that you actually used that song to at your dad's memorial service when you were spreading his ashes. Is that right? That's true, because it was his dream ever since we went to the mountains, you know, in the 70s and 80s. It was his dream to live in the mountains someday. It, mm. it was as much alive in his heart as ever, and he never quite was able to fulfill that dream, so he wanted to have his ashes spread in the mountains. So mm. it was like, you made it, Dad. You finally came home. Oh, home in the sky. Picture yourself on a high mountain peak and let this be your meditation. Hear the winds calling you home to the rocky so high. Follow your heart. And you will find A home in the sky Whispering stars Light up the night See them glow way up come 
hear the winds calling you home to the rocky so high. Follow your heart. Appreciate you all being here again today. Hopefully you were inspired to get up into the mountains or at least get out in nature for your health and well-being and just because it's the right thing to do. Remember, life is a gift. Nature's a gift. And you are a gift back to the world. We'll see you here again next time. Bye, everyone.